Well, welcome to week two of our series called Greater Things. My name's Clayton Walker. I'm one of the pastors here at Raider Church. Pumps, you guys are joining us tonight. And many of you guys know I've got three kids, a 10-year-old Levi, eight-year-old Coben, and a four-year-old Nixon. And one of the things uh, that you're going to learn as a parent, and some of you are like, man, I can't wait for that. Some of you are like, bro, that's not even on my radar. Like, that's like a decade away, you know, or something like that. And, and, and then all the girls want to have nothing to do with you. I just, I promise you guys. So, so, but, but if that is on your radar, okay, li- listen, uh, you are going to grow accustomed to liking and looking forward to the newest Disney movie or Pixar movie. Okay. I, I promise you. Okay. And, and, and some of them are, are great. Okay. Like I was pumped when I saw the Lego movie. I love the Lego movie. I watched it over and over and over again. I love the Batman movie. Okay. I think I was more excited about the Batman Lego movie than my own kids were. And so Mark and I, and another friend, we got all of our boys and we like took them to the late night, Thursday night showing of Batman before it even came out like that Friday. Cause we were all so pumped about Batman. So one of the things you'll, you'll begin to like love, and I know it sounds weird, but you'll start to love Disney and Pixar movies. I, it's just, it becomes a big part of your life and you'll see some of them hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. Okay. Uh, you're going to be in the car and, and all the new cars have DVD players. All the family cars do anyways, and ours do too. And so we're, we're driving and on, on road trips and we watch these shows over and over and over again. Like uh, I know the, the words to, to the songs in, in the movie Frozen and, uh, and, and to the movie Trolls and all those, because I, I hear these playing in my car over and over and over and over again. Okay. So one of these movies, okay, is a movie, is a movie called Tangled. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The movie Tangled. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? Let me ask this though. How many of you have seen the movie Tangled? Okay. A lot of you have. Okay. So you know, Tangled is about Rapunzel or as my daughter calls her, Punzel. Okay. She just, she calls her Punzel and, and she wants Punzel's hair. And we're just like, babe, you're going to have to, you're going to pray and pray real hard. Okay. Cause you're not, you're not, you're not going to have hair like Rapunzel, but like Punzel. Okay. So, but in this movie, okay, Rapunzel gets out of her tower. Flynn Rider rescues her and, and, and they got this deal and they, they go to this kind of, uh, this pub type of thing where there's a bunch of rough characters in it and they go inside and, uh, somehow one thing leads to another. They start like you do in any pub or bar, you start singing about your dreams. Okay. And so uh, y'all haven't done that. You, you should try that next time. Like go to Chimmy's and just start singing, jumping up and down on the tables and singing about your dreams. I'm sure you'll get kicked out real quick. So anyways, they're, they're singing about their dreams and um, Flynn starts singing about his. They go kind of from one person to the next and, and Punzel sings about her dreams and, and Flynn starts singing about his dream and his dream is to be alone on an island surrounded by enormous, pi- enormous piles of money. And some of you are like singing it in your head as I'm saying that right now. He, he wanted to be alone on an island surrounded by enormous piles of money. So they get to the end of the song and uh, Flynn and Rapunzel or Punzel, they're going to have to take off. They got to leave because some guards are coming for them. And so they, they, they've got to leave. And uh, this guy, uh, one of the guys in, in this pub, this bar, tells Flynn and Punzel, he says, go live your dream. And Flynn says, I will. And he says to Flynn, not you, your dream stinks. I was talking to her and he's like, oh. His dream was to be by himself on an island. He even talks about tanning on an island surrounded by enormous piles of money. And some of you are like, that dream doesn't stink. Like, that sounds great. 
Like, oh, I'll take that too. But his dream in the movie, it stunk in comparison to everyone else's dream because his dream was all about himself and what he could get. It was all about him. And you know, I, I wonder tonight about your dream. Does your dream stink in comparison to God's dream for your life? Does the reason you exist, like your purpose, stink in comparison, the way the, what you see it as, stink in comparison to God's dream, to God's purpose for your life? And I'm just going to go ahead and, and be honest. I, I think... For Christians, the American church has had a dream for Christians for the last 50, 100 years or so, and that dream has stunk. It stinks because here's been the dream of the American church for you. A chair. A butt in a seat. That's been the American church's dream for its followers. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, like to me, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be real with you, okay, for a second. This is boring. It's boring. It's boring to a world who thinks the Christian life is about showing up to a service one hour a week on Sunday morning and sitting in this chair and listening to someone like me. That's boring, and I agree. I think it is too. I think that's boring. I think that's why people have been leaving the church left and right in our country. That's why the church in our country is in decline, rapid decline. Because the dream in the American church for its people, for its followers, has been this. Has been to get your butt in a seat for the rest of your Christian life listening to pastors. And going from one church to the next, church hopping, even within the same city, going from one pastor to the next. Because you've listened to that pastor, you've listened to all their stuff, and so you get bored with that guy. And so then that guy's not deep enough anymore, and so you move on to the next church, you move on to another seat. And you do that for the rest of your life. And I want to tell you tonight, this is not God's plan for your life. It's not in to be a chair like this and to listen to guys like me with something like this in their hand for the rest of your life. Like, that's not God's dream. That's not God's purpose for you. That stinks. It's boring. And I'm going to show you in a little bit, this dream for your butt to be in a seat for the rest of your Christian life is why the American church is in decline. It's why those who don't follow Jesus look at the church and say, that's boring. We don't want anything to do with that. That's not worth my life. This isn't worth my, my, my worship. And it's why people go to church for the rest of their life and they're bored to tears and they stop going because they've thought this is the goal. The American church has led us to think, most of them anyways, has led us to think this is the purpose. This is the goal in the Christian life. It's to sit and to watch. And that's not true, it's a lie. And I wanna show you that tonight and I wanna show you God's greater dream, his greater purpose for you tonight. So if you got a Bible, go to John 14. John 14, if you were here last week, we read this verse. This is kind of our central verse in, in this series. We're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about it again next week. 
Last week, we talked about God's greater plan for your life and how God has a great plan for your life. If you missed it, definitely go check that out online. Uh, Today, tonight, we're talking about God's greater purpose for your life. Next week's going to be God's greater power for your life, and that's going to be exciting. You won't want to miss that next week. But tonight, we want to see God's greater dream, his greater purpose for your life than maybe you've been even led to believe in churches. Or maybe if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not into this whole church thing and and doing this maybe for the rest of your life is you you think that that's what a Christian does and and you think that's boring. And I want to say, I agree with you. And I hope that's not what you end up doing for the rest of your Christian life if you decide to follow Jesus. John 14, starting in verse 12, you can go to RaiderChurch.com and select sermon notes and follow along with us as well. The verses and everything are there. Jesus said this to his disciples, and we talked about the context of this last week. He's leaving. He's telling the disciples he's leaving. They're upset. They're wondering, how, how are we gonna, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to keep going on? And Jesus is t- bringing them comfort. And he's telling them what's going to happen because he's leaving. And so how is the, the ministry going to keep going? If Jesus is going, the, the pastor is leaving, how, how do the followers keep doing the ministry? How, 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 do, how do people keep hearing the message if, if the pastor's gone? So Jesus is leaving to go to heaven and they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. And Jesus is bringing them some comfort and he's telling them what's going to happen, that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit and God's going to use them. And so here in in John 14, Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, so anyone who's a follower of Jesus. So tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is true for you. If you become a follower of Jesus, this is true for you. Anyone who believes in me, watch this, will do the same works I have done. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, they will do the same works that I've done. Notice the key word here, do works done. And then watch this, and even greater works. So if you believe in me, you're going to do even greater things than I did. And he says this, because I'm going to be with the Father. We'll talk more about this next week when we talk about a greater power that, that God has for us. But Jesus says, you're going to do works that, that I've done if you're a follower of Jesus and even greater work. So Jesus says, if you believe in me, you're following me. Disciples, you, you don't know how, how's the ministry going to continue if, if I'm, I'm leaving. Well, well, you're going to do it. That's why I've been with you over these last few years. That's why you've been following me. I've been teaching and training you and preparing you because you're going to go out and do it. I've got things for you to do. But notice, Jesus doesn't tell them, anyone who believes in me, they're going to get a greater chair. Like, you're going to get to sit right up here in the front few rows. You believe in me, you're going to get a greater chair to sit in. Like, you're you're going to sit down and And you're going to watch. No, no, that's that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you believe in me. I've got things for you to do. Greater things for you to do. I've got works for you to do. You know, these movie theaters got these amazing chairs now. My wife has like become this theater snob where where she didn't want to go to any theater that doesn't have one of those chairs that like you push a button and like leans you back and and you can go all the way back and and your feet can go all the way up and and you just got this huge chair that you're sitting in right I mean she loves it she loves it so much that she falls asleep now in the movies that we we go to and so I guess that's why she she wants to go to the movies you know so often is to sit in one of those chairs so I'll I'll say hey we're gonna go see this movie and she's like "Uh, are we are we going to the ones with the chairs 
well, you know, that time's not going to work. We, we got, you know, this other, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll go whatever time has, is the one with the chairs. I, I want the chair. Jesus doesn't tell him, you're going to get a greater chair. You get a greater chair to sit in. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to be, the fa- be, to be with the Father. And, and, and I'm going to sit in the Holy Spirit so that you can sit and occupy a chair for the rest of your life. And that'll be, the Christian, that'll be your Christian life. No, he said, I've got things for you to do. I've got works, things, a job, task for you to do. Paul said the same thing in Ephesians chapter two. Watch this, verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork. This is another, other translations say masterpiece. The Greek word here is poema. You're like God's poem. You're his, his artistic, supreme artistic achievement is what that, that word means. You're God's handiwork, his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus, watch this, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God has things for you to do, and he actually prepared them in advance before you were ever born. Ephesians 1 says God chose to adopt you into his family. We, we ran from God. We were separate from God. We were enemies of God because of our sin. And before we were ever born, before the foundation, Ephesians 1 says, before the foundations of the world were ever laid, God had a plan to rescue us from our sin through his son, Jesus. You see, God created us to, to love him and you can't force something to love you. He wanted a love relationship with us. And so God planned before even the creation of the world, he knew that we would go astray, that our hearts would wonder, that we would wanna do things our own way. And so before the creation of the earth, Ephesians 1 says, God planned to adopt us into his family through Christ Jesus. And not only that, before you were ever born, before the foundations of the world, God had plans for you. He has a job for you. He has things for you to do. Exciting, fulfilling things for you to do. In fact, Paul would go on to say in Ephesians chapter 4 that the job of a pastor is to prepare the people for works of ministry. So my job, a pastor's job, is to prepare you, is to challenge you, is to push you to do the things that God has prepared for you to do. Your purpose is not to sit in this chair. And you might be thinking, well, what's the alternative? What's the alternative to the chair? Well, I'm glad you asked. So a year ago, there was this conference called Passion, and it meets each year. Some of you may have heard of it. <clears throat> and there's about, uh, there's tens of thousands of students, college students, it's for college students that attend this conference. It's usually in Atlanta, and they've, they had it this year, they had it in Atlanta and in D.C. But last year, there was this picture of this filled stadium 30, 40,000 college students. It's kind of this fisheye view where you could see like the whole arena. And you could see tens of thousands of college students. And 
And there's the leader of Passion, Passion Conferences, Passion Ministries, is a guy named Louis Giglio. He's another pastor in our country, pastors a church in Atlanta called Passion City Church. And he was talking with another pastor in our country. His name's John Piper. And John was looking at this picture of tens of thousands of college students. And he said this to Louis. They were talking about the picture. And John said this to Louis about that picture. He said, look, tens of thousands of arrows in the hands of God. And so this year at Passion, Louis took that and made that his message to tens of thousands of college students this year. It was to challenge them to be arrows in the hands of God. Now, I know when you look at me, you think, like this word comes to your mind, bow hunter. I, I, I know it does. Like I, it's okay. Like You can admit it. I, get, I know. I know. I know it the way I dress. Uh, you know, all those, you look and you think, man, that guy's a mountain man, okay? He's, he, he roughs it and um, he, he, he's, a, he's a bow hunter, okay? I, I, I know. I know that's what you think of. Like, I, I get it, okay? But um, it probably would surprise you to know that um, I did grow up bow hunting. And on these trips, we would um, pack up the truck and this trailer and motorcycles and four-wheelers. And I did this almost every year in middle school and high school. We would go bow hunting for elk in Colorado. And I'll never forget, the very first time I went bow hunting for elk, um, we were driving into this camp and saw this huge elk, like right in front of us on the road, like in the cold, like breathing out this air out of his nostrils. And I mean, just chills went down my body because these things are huge. They're huge. A bull elk with its antlers, they're huge. They're, they're, they're monsters. And so we come up on this elk. It was the first one I'd ever seen live just in front of me in my life. And it turned out to be the biggest one I ever saw was the very first trip I ever went on. And so what we would do is uh, camp, and we would set up a camp at the base of, the, uh, of these mountains, and, and we would get on motorcycles and four-wheelers, and we'd go up these trails, and then we would camp up in the mountains, and we would bow hunt for elk. And, and I, I nearly died like 50 times, okay? And I'm not even joking. Like, there was this one time our, our truck got stuck, and, and um, it, it, we couldn't get out, and, and, and we were trying to put logs underneath the, the tires. We got stuck so many times. We had a, a camper trailer go off the side of a road, and, and we were having to get it, get it back on the road, like in the ice and the snow. And, and uh, there was one time we got lost and, and, and because of the snow it was coming down, and we lost our way. We lost the tracks, and, and, and we couldn't get back to our truck, and so we were wandering around for hours. And, but, but this one time, I was, I was trying to, as my dad would like gun it and backwards, I was throwing logs like underneath the tire, and all of a sudden it caught one time and it nearly just ran the truck he just nearly ran right over me as I was putting these logs underneath the, the tire so it could get traction so I, I nearly died like 50 times on these trips but they, they were great they were awesome so but I grew up bow hunting for elk and I loved it and it, it's, it's really hard because when you're rifle hunting you can you can shoot for very long distances but bow hunting I'm talking like you're getting like some of you know this you're getting like 20 yard shots 30 yard shots 40 yard shots may, may, that might be the max so you're having to bring them in really close. 
And it's, it's real exciting, especially when, when you get one in and you shoot and you start, you know, you just start shaking. But tonight, I, instead of the purpose for the rest of your life, Christian life anyways, being occupying this chair, our challenge for you, what I want you to, what I, what I want to begin to get a dream, a new dream in your mind to be an arrow in the hands of God. See, as God draws you in and you hear the gospel, Jesus changes your life. And as your life has changed, God's dream is to send you back out. Like an arrow in his hands. You see, a lot of us have gotten stuck and we've gotten bored because we've grown up thinking the Christian life is about sitting in this chair. And attending church services for the rest of our life, and that sounds boring, and I agree. And so tonight, I want to challenge you with this. I want you to ditch the chair. And embrace a new dream for your life. A new purpose for your life. Being an arrow, a flaming arrow, in the hands of God. You might think, well, what, what, that's, that's great, that's awesome, but what does that mean? Where, where, when God releases me, where am I going? And when I get there, what, what do I do? Well, the church faced the same problem in the book of Acts, and watch what happened. Acts 8, verse 4, there's a persecution that broke out. God allows persecution to come to the church because at this point in time, Jesus had told the disciples, you're going to go out and make disciples of all nations in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, the church, these followers of Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. It was like they embraced the chair rather than God's dream and mission for them to be an arrow that would go out. And so in Acts 8, verse 1, it says that a persecution broke out and followers of Jesus began to scatter even away from Jerusalem all throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here's what happened. Acts 8, verse 4. But the believers who were scattered, watch this, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. All the believers became preachers of the good news. They ditched the chair and they embraced God's greater dream, his greater purpose for their life. And as they were scattered out of all these different places and in regions and cities, they began to preach the good news about Jesus. They all did. It wasn't just for one or, or two special people. They all began to preach the good news about Jesus. And thousands upon thousands of people became followers of Jesus. And movements started to break out of disciples making disciples and churches starting new churches. But they all went everywhere. And tonight, some of you are going to be here at Tech for a while or South Plains, Lubbock Christian, Wayland. You're, you're going to be here for a few years, maybe a couple years. 
You're going to be here for a little while. And our goal, our dream is that as you're here, we could prepare you and equip you and challenge you and inspire you to not stay in a chair, but as you go out all over our country and even all, out, all over around the world, that you would be a preacher of the good news about Jesus. Because preaching the good news isn't just for the few. It's for all of us who are followers of Jesus. There's a guy named Stan that um, me and several other guys and pastors in our city have developed a relationship with. And Stan has, has been around the, the world and he's helped start and coach church planting movements. He, he gets a few guys in, in different countries and unreached people groups and he'll train them and teach them and how to start churches that will start churches that will start churches. And so movements will break out. This summer I was in Africa where um, there's a church planting movement that's broken out in East Africa. And in 10 years, 1.2 million people have become followers of Jesus. And Stan has gotten to be a part of things like that. And he was telling me that in movements where the, the, the gospel is moving and where churches are being started. He said, you'll, you'll talk to Regular, everyday people, like you'll talk to your taxi driver and they'll tell, they'll, they'll tell you, hey, what do you, what do you do? And they'll say, well, I'm a church planter. Well, what do you mean you're driving this taxi? Well, I just drive a taxi for my job, like to make money for my family, but my job is a church planter. You'll talk to teachers. You say, well, hey, what, what do you do? I'm a church planter. What do you mean? You're, you're a teacher. No, 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 no. I, I teach. That's my job. Like that's how I make money and provide for my family, but I'm a church planter. That's how people see themselves. They don't see themselves as church members that just occupy a chair. They see themselves as church planters. They all went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. You know, there's a girl named Riley who came to Raider Church for Four years. We've been going now just, uh, just almost four years. And she graduated in, in May and she came to Raider Church almost every year she was here at Tech. And she graduated and she went back home to Houston this past summer. And she contacted us and said, hey, she, was, she had been a part of, a, of an LTG here. And she contacted us and said, hey, can, can you tell me how I can continue to do kind of what we were doing in our group? I've got some friends and I want to start a group for them. Some of them are Christians. Some of them don't know God. They're not followers of Jesus. But I wanted to start a group for them like I, like I had at Raider Church. And watch what she said. She said, I got back to Houston and I made, um, and I made a goal to start my own group. We gather every Sunday in my tiny living room and still use the same questions we learn from our Raider Church groups. The group has been amazing. Each week we gather together to read the word and pray together. It's been a mission of mine as I started this group to not only use it to help us, but also our community. Brian Houston of Hillsong Church said, if your prayers were answered, would they change your world or would they change the world? So each week we make it a point in our prayer request to include a part of our community and world that we can pray for and make a difference. 
This week we'll be distributing aid bags to some homeless folks around our city. Our group has provided a few hours out of the week where everything around us is silenced. All the stresses that go along with starting new in the workforce and adulting, it all goes away when we meet. We open our hearts and ears to God and through that we go closer to him, but also closer to each other. We have some people in the group that have grown up going to church and some that don't have a relationship with God. But we're all girls, 23 to 25 years old, just trying to navigate life. Stress at work, losing loved ones, or needing some friends to lean on. But being a part of a small group through Raider Church has given me confidence and a strong foundation to start a group no matter where I am. I wouldn't have been able to do this without Raider Church. Occupying a seat for the rest of your Christian life is, is boring. It sounds boring to me. But being used by God, like a, as an arrow in his hands to change the world is exciting. I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled for, for Riley, who after her time here, she went back home, she got her job, but she didn't see that as her purpose. Her purpose as she got back home was to change the world. It was to be an arrow, a flaming arrow in the hands of God. And so tonight I wanna challenge you to adopt God's greater purpose for your life. And it's this, it's to be flaming arrows in the hands of God. Flaming arrows in the hands of God. Sent out all over our country and all over the world to change the world. And so my challenge for you tonight is to believe, it's to adopt, it's to dream a new dream. And God, that dream is God's dream. It's to be a flaming arrow in his hands, to go out and change the world. And I think, I believe, this is a worthy purpose for your life. Not only does the Bible say it's where you'll find the most joy and, and satisfaction and fulfillment and, and living out God's purpose for your life, because it says in Colossians that you were made by God and, and for God. In other words, the, the creator designed you to function in this way. It's why when we live out God's purpose for our life, God's greater purpose and God's greater dream for our life, we find joy and fulfillment and satisfaction because it's the way we were designed to do it. But I also believe this is a worthy purpose for your life, number one, because of the finished work of Jesus. You see, some of you are here tonight and, and, and you think that to be right with God to be in right relationship with him, to please him, to satisfy him, so that you might be able to go to heaven when you die. You've gotta work really hard and try really hard to be as good as you can. And when you mess up, you gotta try a lot harder and try a lot better and go to church more times so that you can be right with God. And that couldn't be further from the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, salvation's not a reward for the good things that we've done. So good people don't go to heaven. People who try hard don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you're forgiven of your sin when you put your faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, before he died, his last words were, it is finished. What was finished? Your penalty for sin. The price that the fine that the you and I owe because of our sin. We've broken God's law, and so there's a fine to be paid. 
It's eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But Jesus died on the cross to to take that punishment that we owe upon himself. And he said, it's finished, it's done. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no more penalty for your sin that's left. It's been done, it was accomplished, it was finished on the cross. And so when we mess up, when we screw up, we, we come to Jesus. We don't go out and try harder. We don't go try to clean ourselves up. We come to Jesus because he's the one who finished all the work that had to be done. He did it. And so tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you feel like you don't measure up to God or you could never please him or satisfy him, you're you're right, you can't. The Christian doesn't think they're a good person. No, they, they think they're so bad. They, they'll never be good enough to be as good as God. They'll never be good enough to go to heaven when they die. And so they trust in Jesus' finished work on the cross. And the Bible says when you do that, your sin is forgiven. You're made right with God. And you can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. And you don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to question. Because it was finished on the cross, and that's great news. You see, I think one of the reasons that this purpose for our life is worthy is because we've got great news, the finished work of Jesus that sets us free. Sets you free. And so we've got great news to tell people that Jesus finished it all and we like Jesus said in John 14 our response is to believe it's to trust and when we do that we're rescued from our sin and so we've got great news we've got a great rescue story to tell people the finished work of Jesus and then I think the second reason this is a worthy purpose for our life is that we've got a great task. We've got great news, the finished work of Jesus, but we've also got a great task, the unfinished work of the church. As I said before, we've got in our own country, the church, the Christian church is in rapid decline, rapid. I mean, our country will be an unreached people group in 20 years. That's how fast the church is in decline in our own country. We've got a great task. We've got unfinished work. And the reason that's happening in our country and the reason why there's just under 4 billion, over 3 billion, just under 4 billion people in unreached people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus is because Christians have been occupying a chair instead of being an arrow in the hands of God. So we've got a great task. We've got unfinished business. We've got great news. We've got a great task. And it's worthy. It's worthy of our lives. And so my challenge for you, I wanna just get real and specific. My challenge for you this week, tomorrow, in that first class you have tomorrow, and at work tomorrow, is to look for someone who might be struggling or upset or down 
and tell them that you feel led to share that God has a greater plan for their life, a greater purpose for their life. You could share with them John 14, verse 12. God has a great plan for you and pray for them. I wanna challenge you to do that tomorrow, to not delay, but tomorrow to go and look for someone that you could encourage and tell them that God's got a greater plan for their life, a greater purpose for their life. And then maybe you're here and you, you're interested in doing what Riley did. Starting a group, we call it a discovery group for you and your friends. Maybe some of them know Jesus, maybe some of them don't. But where you get together and you read the Bible together and you do life together. You find out what this God, if he really exists and if this is really his word, you, you, you find out what he has to say about life. And so maybe you've got a group of friends like Riley did where you could start a group like that for them. We call it a discovery group where people can begin to discover who God is. And if that's you, come find me or Mark or Parker or Jacob and let us know and tell us, yeah, that's me. I, I wanna start a group like that for me and my friends and we'll help you get started. It's easy. Riley did it. You can too. You could be an arrow in the hands of God. Let's stand. Our team's going to lead us in a time of worship. And as you stand in the book of Acts, man, there's this exciting movement that just sweeps across the, the Roman Empire. And thousands upon thousands of people are becoming followers of Jesus. 3,000 a day, then 5,000 a day. And people are coming to know Jesus left it. And right, every day it says in Acts that people were being added to their number. Those who were being saved were becoming followers of Jesus. But I, I just wanna give you a spoiler alert. Like if you've never read Acts, if, if you don't know what ended up happening to the disciples, I'm gonna give you just kind of a spoiler, okay? They all die. It's great news, right? Anybody else excited about it? Like, it just, just encourages you. It just encourages, lifts up your soul to know they all died. They all died as martyrs because they were preaching the good news about Jesus. That, that's how Acts turns out. But listen, they would have died anyways. And can I tell you tonight, whatever purpose you live for in your life, you're going to die anyways. So why not live for God's greater purpose for your life, for God's greater dream for your life? We need a new generation of people that are coming up, that are ditching the chair and saying, I'm going to embrace God's greater dream for my life to be an arrow in his hands. God, I pray tonight as we sing, even in this moment, that you would fill us with your spirit, a spirit of boldness, God, and we would adopt your dream, your greater dream and greater purpose for our life. We wouldn't be satisfied anymore with staying in a chair, but we would adopt your greater dream to be an arrow in your hand. God, our country needs it. Unreached people groups around the world, billions of people around the world need a new generation that will say, I will be an arrow in the hands of God. And so tonight, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you fill us and move us and give us a desire for your greater dream for our life. Let's worship God tonight.